Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, we'll get America's first impressions of last night's big game. From the commercials to the halftime show to the action on the field itself, we'll talk Super Bowl analytics with the folks from Google. Also on this Valentine's Day, it's an unfortunate reality of romance that many relationships won't stand the test of time, and that can get messy. We'll talk about how to protect your personal data in case of a bad breakup in the digital age. And beyond betrayal, in romance or in business, how learning to forgive those who have hurt you in the past can help you trust those who hold the opportunity to bring happiness and fulfillment in the future. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, February 14th, 2022. So the matchup between the Rams and the Bengals had millions of Americans wagering on the outcome. You know, that was uh, one of the more interesting things. The Bengals may not have won the game, but if you bet on the Bengals and took the points uh, against the uh, against the spread, uh, the Rams did not cover. They were four-point favorites, and what do you know it? That missed extra point at the beginning of the game came back and made a big difference, not in the outcome of the game, as it turns out, but for the outcome of the wagering for the sports books, because I think the line was like three and a half points. So the Bengals uh, or, or the Rams did not cover and uh, bets on the Bengals with the uh, with the points uh, were actually winning bets. So that missed extra point turned out to be a big, big deal for the uh, sports books. A survey of 2,000 Americans by one poll showed that one-third of Americans plan to place bets. One-third of of Americans. I would assume that that's one-third of the people who actually paid attention to the Super Bowl. There were some people who didn't. The average wager, $462. And one-fourth of respondents say that... uh, they bet even more than that. 4% bet $2,000 or more on the game. Nearly 75% say betting on the Super Bowl enhances their experience in watching it. <laughs> it certainly makes you more vested in the game. Uh, the average American admitted the most that they have ever lost in a single bet was $989. 2% in the poll say they have blown ten grand or more by betting on the losing team. So just amazing the uh, wagering uh, this year the other big uh, wagering uh, with respect to the Super Bowl companies wagering millions upon millions of dollars that they will be able to cut through the clutter of the Super Bowl advertisements Uh, the other big game within the game but a new study this was kind of interesting shows nearly one-third of the Super Bowl ads that they play that they pay big money for. I think it was six and a half million dollars for a 30 second ad in the Super Bowl this year. Nearly one third play to empty rooms. Cornell University researchers worked with the TV with a TV performance metrics company and found that viewers are four times more likely to leave the room than change the channel during advertisements and that ad viewing behaviors vary depending on channel, time of day, program, genre, age, and gender. So this was not so much the Super Bowl itself, but just super, or just uh, advertisements on TV in general. 
Older viewers more likely to avoid ads by changing channels. Younger viewers more likely to just leave the room or divert their visual attention. It's a good time to check social media during the, uh, during the ads. Uh, ads for recreational products like beer and video games do the best at retaining viewers, while advertisements for prescription drugs are the worst at keeping eyes on the screen. Probably not surprising. I can't remember the last time I was uh, enthralled by an ad for a prescription medication, <laughs> as opposed to those Budweiser ads during the, uh, during the big game. Did you pay attention? To the, I found that uh, that was the other thing that I noticed, uh, you know, having a, a vested stake or a cheering stake in uh, one team in the Super Bowl. I did not notice the ads so much because every time during the breaks, I'm thinking about, OK, what do the Bengals need to do next and how's this going to play out? And I'm trying to you know, prepare myself for, for being disappointed, uh, you know, and, and all of that. So I wasn't paying that much attention to the commercials, I have to admit. But anyway, here in a little bit, we'll uh, talk more about uh, the ads and everything else that uh, went along with the uh, big game. The uh, folks from Google will join us with those uh, post-game analytics, what captured our attention from Super Bowl Sunday. If you are among those who are kind of mourning the loss, kind of feeling the sting. Maybe you could just use a good hug this morning. <laughs> and no, that was after the game last night. My wife just kind of gave me a hug. <laughs> she didn't have to say anything. She just gave me a hug, uh, knowing that I was so disappointed. It can make a person feel better. And this is something that we inherently know, and now there is research to prove it. Clinical psychologist Lisa Damore says good contact, good contact between human beings helps soothe, helps soothe the nervous system and plays an important role in regulating emotions. Um, for example, it says during the pandemic, it could be argued that many children and adults need hugs more, now more than ever. But there is a right way and a wrong way uh, to do this. Um they note that uh, not all families have the same culture around hugs, so some families could be missing signs that their children need a little extra affection. A clinical psychologist by the name of Sherry Madigan says you can always ask your kids what they need by just saying, you know, do you need a hug? Ask your kids, do you need a hug? And make it clear that you, you will take no for an answer if they don't want a hug. Uh, no hard feelings. For teenagers, especially if they're hurting, she says, it's great to just ask, can I give you a hug? There are also other ways to show affection to a child, including leaving little love notes in their lunchbox, cramming out uh, the, the, the couch uh, for a movie, climbing uh, into a blanket fort together. Experts add that one of the most important components of good, helpful, physical affection is ensuring that it's driven by your child and not just a hug because you want one. It's all about the uh, child. I just thought that was kind of interesting. They said there's a right way and a wrong way. You want to make sure that the uh, child, in fact, wants a hug before you hug. I could use a hug this morning.
reeling from the Super Bowl. A couple of other uh, interesting uh, stories here among the first things you need to know to get your Monday morning started this Valentine's Day. Uh, you heard the uh, news story that uh, Canada has uh, reopened. They have reopened the Ambassador Bridge from uh, Detroit into uh, Canada. They brought out the police in force to try and disperse those protesters angry over COVID mandates. New Zealand, uh, in New Zealand, they are trying a different ta- tactic. They have had copycat protesters in New Zealand, uh, truckers and and other motorists blocking roadways and so on in protest of COVID mandates and vaccine mandates and, and all of that. This is something that has uh, been catching on and you've seen uh, copycat protests elsewhere. And in New Zealand, <laughs> they have tried a different tactic to clear the roadways, blasting Barry Manilow's greatest hits. I kid you not, the government has been playing songs like Mandy and Could It Be Magic on a 15-minute loop. According to news reports, they uh, also threw other songs in like the Macarena <laughs> for good measure. So the response by the protesters, though, giving it as good as they are taking it, they began blaring, we're not going to take it by Twisted Sister (laughs) on their uh, radios. (laughs) Um, As a a report in the Sydney Morning Herald, police in the capital of Wellington responded aggressively to these copycat protests, which led to physical confrontations. And that's when police changed their tactics and uh, came up with the Barry Manilow idea uh, after dousing the protesters with sprinklers didn't have much of an effect. So <laughs> would that do it for you? You uh, they're blasting Barry Manilow on on repeat <laughs> on an endless loop. <laughs> Maybe that's how they ended up clearing the Ambassador Bridge. I don't know. I don't have all of the details on that story. And uh, finally, in the. Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the game uh, of the day, the uh, online game Wordle has been taking the country by storm. And you know that the uh, New York Times purchased uh, rights to the game Wordle. And I think it was last week, the end of last week, we mentioned that they have now fully completed the purchase. If you go to the online game Wordle, it redirects you to the New York Times website, and that has caused an issue among the game's millions of fans. Um, It says, New York Times purchased the game in January for an undisclosed seven-figure sum, and uh, now they have angered the players of the game because by... Uh, redirecting the site to the New York Times uh, website, redirecting the game to the New York Times website, uh, users have found that their statistics, their their winning streaks, their win- Wordle winning streaks have been reset. <laughs> People on social media have been quick to post their negative feelings about it. One user writing, the New York Times reset my Wordle streak. I knew this change was a bad idea. I knew this was a bad deal. So uh, the uh, New York Times uh, has apologized for (laughs) resetting all of these statistics. (laughs) There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories. You get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly sunny skies today with a high of 25 
clear and cold tonight, a low of 14. The latest COVID numbers from Hancock Public Health show a significant drop in new cases. The health department is reporting 168 new cases over the past week, and two weeks ago that number was 614. Hancock County is averaging 24 new cases per day, and two weeks ago the county was averaging 87 new cases a day. The University of Finley and Blanchard Valley Health System are celebrating their new partnership that's designed to encourage more students to pursue careers in health care. This is just a great example of partnership and collaboration that will live long into the future, so it's very exciting. BVHS President and CEO Myron Lewis says the collaborative effort allows students to gain hands-on experience in a number of areas to further prepare them for future careers in the health professions. See video from the ribbon cutting and get a look at some of the facilities on the website. A bill that would tighten monitoring restrictions on criminal offenders in Ohio when they leave prison is one step closer to becoming law. The Ohio House unanimously passed the Reagan-Tokes Act. Tokes was killed by Brian Goldsby, who had been released from prison months earlier with a GPS ankle monitor. But it had no restrictions and very little oversight, which allowed him to commit several robberies before killing Tokes. That's ONN's Yolanda Harris reporting. U.S. Senate hopeful and current Ohio State Senator Matt Dolan was campaigning in Findlay. Dolan says through a listening tour, he's learned that many of the things he cares about, like the economy, safety, and security, are the same things Republicans want to talk about. And my opponents weren't talking about those issues. They, they were running a campaign, and still are, to win the endorsement of former President Trump, which may be the best political strategy, but it's not reflecting what Ohioans, Republicans, want their U.S. Senator to do in Washington. Dolan says his opinion about January 6th hasn't changed since day one. He said it was, in fact, an insurrection and a black mark on the United States and that the former president bears some responsibility for what happened on that day. Get more of our interview with Dolan on the website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, on this Monday, Valentine's Day, before we get into all of that stuff, want to uh, get a recap of the big game last night. America's first impressions of Super Bowl 56, from the commercials to the halftime show to the action on the field itself. Talking Super Bowl analytics this morning with uh, Google search trends expert Gina Shalavi. And uh, Gina, thanks very much for uh, taking the time uh, this morning. We appreciate it. Uh, I, I have to apologize. My my voice uh, may uh, be a little uh, a hoarse this morning from all of the uh, yelling. Uh, being a Bengals fan, it was a bit of a disappointing ending to the game uh, last night. But uh, obviously, as there is every year, an awful lot of uh, interest when it comes to uh, the, the Super Bowl, right? Oh, absolutely, and I'll be the first to give you my sincere apologies on the outcome. I thought you had it all the way through. Um, but, you know, Chris, the, the Super Bowl is one of those amazing moments during the year where the country comes together to watch, and there is something for everyone on YouTube. Some come to watch the game, some come to watch the ads, but what they all have in common is that they come to YouTube for content that they need and love to watch. And there was no shortage of that last night from the halftime show to the commercials 
to the gameplay. So I, I'm a little bit curious because there were so many great storylines in the game. And of course, uh, everybody always uh, loves the commercials. And the halftime show was different than anything that we have seen before. So what what seemed to generate the most curiosity or the most uh, interest online when you look at the data? Was it the game? Was it the commercials? Was it the halftime show? What overall uh, enthralled people the most? You know, and there, we've seen kind of a mix of everything depending on what you're interested in. When it came to the halftime show, it was an incredible star-studded lineup featuring some of the best of 90s hip-hop and rap, all with the common denominator of Dr. Dre, of course. Um, you know, we had a surprise appearance from 50 Cent, so mm -hmm. we saw some searches around what he was up to during there. But um, actually, the most searched-for artist of the night was Mary J. Blige. Hmm. And the most searched-for lyric was, was Eminem's Lose Yourself. So a little bit of a mix across the board there. Now... The other really interesting trends that we saw were around the ads. So if you go to youtube.com slash adblitz, it's your one-stop shop for everything Super Bowl related, where fans are coming before, during, and after the game. So every year we look at some of the most viewed ads from game day to get a sense of what some of the initial trends were. And the one that was buzzing the most about last night was actually from Amazon, Amazon's Mind Reader ad, the mm. commercial that was starring Scarlett Johansson and Carlin, uh, Colin Yost, who had Alexa reading their minds a little bit too well i guess yeah I, I do remember that uh, i do remember that ad now that you mentioned it and and i because i thought it was kind of interesting maybe it was because uh, i had a stake in cheering for one team you know i had this vested interest but uh it, it seems like the commercials for me just kind of went right over my head i didn't i tried last night after the game to think <laughs> you know what were the best commercials and i wasn't really paying attention i was thinking so much about the uh, about the game but the one that that really stood out to me and i'm curious whether uh, there was a whole lot of uh, response to this was the really simple one with the QR code bouncing around the screen. I think that was early on uh, in the game, and that really captured my attention for its uniqueness and its minimalist uh, style. Is that one that uh, people were buzzing about? You know, that was really interesting. I was one of those who kind of raced to the screen to see what would happen if you scan that QR code. <laughs> and it turned out to be a, a Coinbase commercial. So mm -hmm. I think we saw this really interesting theme throughout the night with cryptocurrency. We saw that other advertisement with LeBron James. There was a lot about electric vehicles. So definitely this theme of more futuristic and future forward looking at different trends that we're seeing come up across the world. And obviously, uh, it's a little bit different now. I, I, you know, years ago, uh, it used to be you would buy this ad on the uh, on the Super Bowl, and people would you would have to grab their attention to the game themselves. You know, when that that commercial aired. Because you didn't get another chance unless they continue to run it post Super Bowl uh, on other programs. Now, obviously, people can go back and watch the ads and share them and you know comment on them and, and so on. So it, it seems like the advertisers are are sort of catering to the fact that you can you can go back and replay them and watch them over and over again. 
Absolutely true. And not only can you go back and watch them later, but what we're seeing more and more is different advertisers actually uploading before the game as well Mm -hmm. to generate buzz. This is an incredible nod to the power of digital that we're seeing these days. You know, it's not just about a 15 second or 30 second spot anymore. There's a whole new game here where advertisers have a plethora of other places where they can reach their audiences and they're tapping into that more and more. And we've seen on, on youtube.com slash adblitz that the hub is full of ads well before game day and is continuing to fill up and see tons of traction. Actually, the most traction we see throughout the year in the week following the game. Yeah. in any other time. It's kind of interesting. Instead of the Super Bowl uh, game itself being the showcase, it's more sort of the springboard for everything that uh, that comes before and after. And so folks are wondering, man, why do they spend this kind of uh, unbelievable amounts of money to advertise on the Super Bowl? They're getting an awful lot of mileage out of this when you add it all up. So at the end of the day, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, what what was the most interesting to you among all of the analytics? We talk about the highlights of the game. We talk about the you know all of the storylines in the game itself, the commercials, the halftime show. What overall really stood out to you when you break down all of the analytics and what people were searching for during and after the game? You know, Chris, something that we found to be incredibly interesting that we haven't seen to this extent before is that there was a 35% increase in viewership of people watching these Super Bowl commercials on their living room devices. So Hmm. we're seeing more and more people are turning back to their TV screen, the biggest TV screen in their home, over mobile or desktop to watch their favorite content. So this is so fascinating, and it makes so much sense, given the explosion that we've seen in streaming. People are just watching YouTube on their TV screens. TV and YouTube are seen as one in the same now. Video is just video at the end of the day. Hmm. Really interesting stuff. Uh, America's first impressions of the big game uh, from all of the different storylines on and off the field. Talking Super Bowl analytics this morning with the folks from uh, Google. Google search trends expert Gina Shalabi with us uh, this morning. And uh, Gina, where do we go and uh, get more information on everything that we may have missed we want to experience again from Super Bowl 56. You can head to youtube.com slash adblitz. It is your one-stop shop for everything and anything Super Bowl related. We've seen people tuning in well after the game. So go ahead there for all your favorite Super Bowl content, especially those ads. We'll link it up on our webpage too. Gina, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Chris. Well, I know no one wants to think about this on Valentine's Day, but it is an unfortunate reality of romance that not every relationship has a happily ever after. And when things go south, it can get very messy. 
That's always been true, of course, but in the digital age, you have this extra layer of complication thrown in. And joining us this morning to talk about how to protect yourself in the event of a bad breakup is Emma McGowan, privacy and security expert and senior writer at Avast. And Emma, there is certainly no shortage of cautionary tales out there, cases of digital breakups you could point to where an ex has made someone's life miserable with just a few clicks. Absolutely, yeah. So a digital breakup is a really important part of a modern breakup because so much of our lives are entangled in the digital world now. So a digital breakup is really just about untangling all of those entanglements Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you have with your significant other online. Uh, So for example, many of us share pins or passwords, Netflix accounts, internet connected devices uh, with our romantic partners these days. And when you break up, you don't want to be constantly reminded of them by seeing their name on an account or maybe getting a text asking for the Hulu password, right? Nobody wants that. Yeah. (laughs) And obviously, the longer and deeper the relationship, the more intertwined one's digital life can be with someone who now suddenly you don't want to be intertwined with. Yeah. So maybe if it's a, a, a shorter relationship, maybe you just have... Stuff on social media, for example. Yeah. But if if it's a divorce, someone you've been married to, you probably have bank accounts, passwords, pins, streaming accounts, social media, um, internet connected devices, all of these things that Mm -hmm. you really want to go through and, and kind of clear out. Yeah, it is a good point that not all of this uh, has to do with uh, you know nefarious uh, stuff. It may just be uh, inconveniences, but you have to keep both of those things in mind. So when we talk about protecting ourselves in this space, first of all, how much of this is proactive versus reactive? Because people are usually more hesitant to take steps preventatively, not wanting to jinx a relationship, but untangling all of this after the fact, I would imagine, could be much more complicated. So best practices, the most paranoid, basically, uh, when it comes to online security and privacy, is to never share anything at all. Yeah. Uh, But that's just not really realistic in this day and age, I don't think. I think most people, when they trust their partner, as you should trust your partner when you're in a relationship want to share these things either for convenience or even sometimes for intimacy, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, um, I personally don't share my passwords or my PIN with my, well, sometimes my PIN, (laughs) but I don't share my passwords with my partner. Uh, But we have, uh, you know, we have access to the same bank accounts. We have IoT devices in our home. So it's really up to each couple to decide what they're comfortable with and have those conversations. You know, you bring up a good point too, kind of alluded to this. Sometimes you don't even realize just how intertwined those things are. So it's something that you really have to be very cognizant about because you can maybe sometimes share these things without even thinking about it. So what should the first step be in terms of, again, untangling all of those entanglements? So the very first step that you're going to want to take is to change all of your passwords and pins. So as I just mentioned, uh, now I know that you know you really shouldn't be sharing those with anyone, Uh, but people do. So your passwords and pins are really the very first layer of security for your entire digital life. So think of it like the key to your house, right? Maybe when you have a breakup, you're going to change the key to your house. You also want to change the quote unquote key to your digital accounts. 
So as soon as you break up with someone, get online, just start changing those passwords. And again, this could involve everything from protecting your finances to your personal privacy. Are there uh, other digital areas? And again, you were kind of touching on this earlier, but to expand on this, other digital areas that sometimes people forget about? So a big one is internet-connected devices, um, which sounds complicated and technical, but it's really not. It's really just like your video doorbell, like a ring, or maybe a Nest smart thermostat, or even a curing coffee maker that you control with an app. So we have a lot of these devices in our homes these days, and it's definitely worth it to take some time to think about what you have, make a little list, and then go through them one by one to make sure that you're the only person who has access to them. Um, Second one, bank accounts. Uh, a lot of us do digital banking these days, which means maybe our ex has our password or our PIN or just general access to our finances, which we definitely don't want an ex to have. So change those passwords, change those PINs, call your financial institutions, let them know that this person is no longer allowed in your account. And if it's a bad breakup, you might even want to lock down your credit because people can take out credit cards or loans in your name. Um, And the final one is location sharing. People usually don't think about location sharing. Mm. And the most obvious location sharing for most people is Find My, which is in the Apple ecosystem. Lots of people turn on Find My so that their partner knows where they are, usually for like safety reasons. Right. And then just forget that it's on. So you want to make sure you turn off that. Another one, any shared Google accounts often have location sharing built in. Uh, You might have a smart key for your car that will share your location when you're in the car or even location metadata on any photos in a shared cloud account. So just do an assessment. Think of all the ways you might be sharing your location and you can cut off that point of contact. And again, just to reemphasize, some of this is uh, for the matter of convenience and uh, the process of getting over uh, a a heartbreak uh, situation. And sometimes in other cases, I mean, worst case scenario, uh, this can be a a really serious uh, safety, personal safety and personal security issue. And like any other uh, situation like that. Again, don't hesitate to bring in authorities if there are issues on that level. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of these devices, especially those internet-connected ones, IoT devices that mm. I mentioned previously, yeah, they can be really fun and convenient to have in your home, but they can also be used by abusers to stalk and track and honestly terrorize uh, victims. Yeah. So those especially are super important to make sure that you disconnect those if you're leaving an abusive relationship. Um, People leaving in that kind of situation, we also recommend reach out to the National Network to End Domestic Violence, which is the NNEDV, preferably on a device that isn't your own in case your abuser has access to that device. And they have really great resources, including how to protect yourself digitally about exiting an intimate violence situation. Again, it's not something that anyone really wants to think about on Valentine's Day, but it is a reality and uh, something that we definitely want to make sure that, again, we think about these digital breakups, uh, either for just convenience or, uh, again, worst case scenarios, uh, ultimately. Emma McGowan is a privacy and security expert and senior writer at Avast. And where do uh, we get more information, more tips and advice on all of this? 
anybody who's interested, first of all, I love Valentine's Day, so I'm not trying to be a bummer. I just want <laughs> right. to make sure right. people are, are protected. Um, but for more tips, everything we've talked about today, plus more, we have a blog post at avast.com on our blog, and we have lots of other information there. Great tips on how to stay safe and secure online. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. I gotta admit, uh, it's actually a very light day of broken news. We have just a handful of stories. Quality over quantity today, to be sure, but I don't know if it's because it was uh, because it's Valentine's Day, Valentine's weekend this past weekend, uh, or because of the Super Bowl, whatever. Uh, it just seems like people weren't doing as many dumb things as they normally do. They kind of took the weekend off. Maybe, maybe all of the dumb criminals and such were enjoying uh, Valentine's Day with their sweethearts. Maybe that is it. I'm not sure. But uh, there were a handful of things uh, going on. Uh, Dateline Chicago, where a, a suspect taking drive through banking to an entirely new level. Police in the Windy City say a backhoe was likely stolen from a construction site on the city's south side, driven more than 20 miles to a Chase Bank branch on the city's north side, and used to smash open the ATM outside the bank. (laughs) Somebody went through the trouble of stealing a backhoe on one side of the city, driving... how, How you drive a backhoe 20 miles... Across the city of Chicago without anyone noticing. <laughs> I have no idea, but apparently that's what someone did and then busted into the uh, ATM outside the uh, bank. Julius uh, Mercer arrived at the branch on Friday morning to make a withdrawal, only to find <laughs> that the ATM, in his words, looked like someone had tried to, to take it, had tried to rip it from the wall and tried to take it. Uh, the uh, backhoe <laughs> was left in the parking lot. Uh, Marshall Jenkins manages a nearby laundromat and said he was shocked. How could anybody? How could nobody hear anything? <laughs> Apparently, nobody heard anything, and nobody reported this <laughs> till well after the fact. And uh, the manager of the nearby laundromat, how how is it that nobody heard anything? Uh, police are now looking at surveillance video from a nearby liquor store to try and identify the suspect. (laughs) They got a real mystery on their hands there. I still want to know how in the world, I mean, forget the ATM part. How in the world do you steal a backhoe from a construction site and drive it 20 miles across the city and nobody knows where is that guy going with that backhoe? You would think in a city the size of Chicago, someone would have noticed that, but apparently not. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, if you are a teacher, a little word of advice here for you. If you are a teacher who uses the same laptop for work and for personal use, it's probably a good idea to clear it of all things porn related before using it in class. (laughs) You would think that would go without saying. But that is the hard, las- uh, the hard lesson that one staff member at a Massachusetts high school uh, apparently just learned after an incident last week that now has uh, this teacher placed on administrative leave. Josh Vidala, uh, 
superintendent of Peabody Public Schools there in Massachusetts, said that this past Monday, a week ago, an employee plugged their laptop into a classroom projector and uh, it wasn't a lesson on World War II or the periodic table that popped up on the screen. <laughs> Instead, students were subjected to what uh, the uh, superintendent says was a series of explicit messages or explicit images from what appeared to be a Google image search. <laughs> Oops! You would think you would check that before... <laughs> you really would think that you would check that before plugging that into the overhead projector for everyone in the classroom to see, but apparently not. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, I guess... What's meant to be will always find its way back to you. A British man who lost his dentures in a public recycling bin in Spain 11 years ago <laughs> was stunned when they showed up in his mailbox recently. <laughs> he, uh, Paul Bishop, age 63, said he had been celebrating a friend's 50th birthday in Spain 11 years ago. Uh, when he had had a bit too much to drink, and uh, he, when it all came back up, he let it go into a recycling bin. He didn't realize he was missing his teeth <laughs> until they made it to the next bar. And at that point, <laughs> his friends went back and actually searched for his dentures, but had no success. I mean, those are true. Those are true friends. I mean, when you think about it, those are two friends who would who would search through that mess <laughs> to try and find your lost dentures. Um, but no success. He was shocked this past week to get a package in the mail which contained a note saying that the dentures had been in storage for many years before being sent for a DNA test so that they could find their owner. Well, whoever tracked that down, I mean, kudos to those. That's going above and beyond to try and get those things back to their uh, rightful owner. Mr. Bishop says the, uh, the teeth no longer fit his mouth, but he is considering putting them on display uh, at the Ridge Hill Lane Working Men's Club where he works as a general manager. He Maybe put them on display. I don't know how the people there at the club feel about the idea of putting them on display, but there you go. That is a, a crazy story, nonetheless. There you go. Uh, that is today's Broken News Report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news. It is certainly that this morning. Uh, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When a student lacks basic needs like food, clothing, and learning materials, attending school can be a challenge. And that can make it impossible to thrive. At Communities in Schools, we address this issue by ensuring that students have everything they need to re-engage in learning, access to technology and school supplies, and even emotional support. By bringing communities of support to students, we're achieving equitable learning conditions. Learn more at communitiesinschools.org. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. How many things do you have on your bucket list? Have you actually formally you know, made out a bucket list? Have you given a lot of thought? I think all of us you know, think about this from time to time, 
But if you have actually taken the time to write it out, it says the average American, according to a recent survey of 2,000 people, the average American has 11 items on their bucket list, and they hope to cross them all off by the age of 47, which I thought was kind of interesting. We're not going to wait until you know the last minute. We're going to do this and get it out of the way in our prime. A uh, survey reveals that uh, people... Uh, the survey reveals that that age is nothing but a number, that age is nothing but a number when it comes to achieving one's goals. However, there are some obstacles that pop up along the way. Almost a quarter of respondents in the poll, 23%, said that they would feel encouraged to cross off items from their bucket list if they had more free time. Of course, we had a lot of that during the pandemic. So if you wasted that, it's your own fault, I guess. Uh, Meanwhile, 22% believe having more money would motivate them to tackle their bucket list. Uh, It's no surprise newfound wealth would help respondents. Almost half in the poll, 45%, would spend between $1,000 and $5,000 to experience something on their bucket list. I mean, just one thing, $1,000 to $5,000 to do that one thing that is at the top of their bucket list, but 11 things on average. And I thought that was really interesting that Americans, when asked, uh, want to cross off everything on their bucket list by the age of 47. Hmm. Well, once again, uh, we're not trying to be a Debbie Downer here on uh, Valentine's day. Uh, talking about this, but I actually think uh, that this is uh, more of a hopeful thing than a uh, depressing topic. Uh, and and really, it doesn't necessarily just apply to romance either. I mean, whether we're talking about a romantic relationship gone sour or a business dealing in which someone did something unethical or something like that. We have all experienced some sort of betrayal in life that has caused us to be hesitant to trust others in similar situations, right? I mean, you can probably think of a time uh, when it happened to you because we've all had it happen at one time or another. The problem is, if we can't get over the betrayal that has burned us in the past, we can't open up to the opportunities that are before us in the future, Phil Weldrip is an evangelist and author who has written a new book to help those who have been hurt by the actions of others. It is called Beyond Betrayal, Overcome Past Hurts, Begin to Trust Again. And Phil, I I get the distinct impression that this was a very personal book for you, that the advice that you offer up in the book comes from a place of empathy because it was inspired by your own experience that you've been there too. Well, you got the right impression, Chris, because 20 years ago, I went through a very deep personal uh, betrayal myself. It happened to be a friend, a colleague, an employee who, uh, who engaged in immoral and ethical behavior. And as a result, I was left in shambles emotionally and even spiritually and financially. And I look back over that experience now, 20 years later, and realize that I did some things well, and I did some things not so well. 
And as a result, I looked around and I see people being betrayed every day. Maybe they've got a spouse that's been unfaithful. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a significant other that's walked away. Maybe it's just somebody who broke confidence and shared things that's now very hurtful. And that betrayal leaves a lot of pain. And so I wrote Beyond Betrayal because I wanted people to be able to process the emotions they're feeling and to have some very practical tools to find, again, happiness and health in their relationships. It's interesting because there are a lot of things that will make us angry or uh, something like that. But when it comes from an act of betrayal, that intensifies all of those emotions and makes it that much more difficult to deal with and makes it much more likely that we're going to deal with it badly. Oh, absolutely. Because every time a person goes through a deep betrayal, I tell people there's three or four stages you're going to go through. First of all, you're going to go through denial. You can't believe it happened. The very nature of betrayal brings shock. But then the next stage is you're going to get angry. If you've been betrayed, you know what it is to be angry. Now, you may not, uh, you may not physically demonstrate that anger, but inside you're angry. And if you're not careful, you will become bitter and revengeful, and you want to settle the score. Right. And so if you fall into any of those pits, you can stay there the rest of your life. So it's normal to have those emotions, but you need to process those emotions in a very healthy way. Is that maybe the most difficult one of those? Is that that feeling of wanting to get some measure of revenge? Well, sure, because anytime you're hurting, you want the person who hurt you to hurt at the level you are hurting. And so we think, boy, if we can just get them to feel what I'm feeling, boy, they'll be remorseful, they'll regret what they've done. And yet, I tell people, you will never get even. Even if you try your hardest, you will never get even. And you will never inflict the pain on them Mm -hmm. that they caused on you. And as long as you're trying to get even, they control you. You don't control the situation. That's not to say that you just walk away necessarily or that, uh, you know, the only solution is to just say, oh, well, that's the way it goes. Right. And one of the words that I use is a, is a word we use in Christianity, and it's the word forgiveness. Yeah. And yet people think forgiving means that I have to restore the relationship with the same level of trust that I did before I was betrayed. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case at all. Yeah. Forgiveness means that I just give up my right to revenge, and I choose not to get even. doesn't mean you have to restore the relationship, and it certainly doesn't mean that you have to trust that person at the same level you did before the betrayal, because trust has to be earned. And if the betrayer wants the relationship restored, they have to be willing to accept accountability and you questioning them. But sometimes you just have to say, that's the end of this relationship, and I move on. But I'm not going to be revengeful. That's learning to forgive. But that takes a long time, but you can get there. And it also doesn't mean that you become a patsy or, or something along those lines. You can still be sure. a very strong, uh, a very strong individual, uh, and not be somebody that is routinely taken advantage of, and, and still uh, get through this particular emotion. Beyond betrayal is the name of the book. Phil Waldrop is the author. You have a, a website where folks can get more information about the book, right? We do. It's called Beyond Betrayal. BeyondBetrayalBook.com. That's BeyondBetrayalBook.com. Or they can get it at any of the major bookstore outlets, Amazon, 
uh, Barnes and Noble or Books a Million. Any of those has the book, and you can get it. It's called Beyond Betrayal, uh, and uh, Phil Waters is my name, and you can get it. It's a great book that I think will help people to get to the other side. Like we said, we've all been there, and we've all uh, struggled with dealing with the after effects. We will link up to it on our webpage. Phil Waldrop, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's been my joy. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, despite many risks for investors, the digital economy is here to stay. So how can we take advantage of these game-changing technologies while avoiding the pitfalls? Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.